God sees people in like their simplicity and their simpleness and we don't have to be somebody great for God to come to us and speak to us but he's willing just to come to whoever's searching yeah as common and simple as we are this is Camus and this is Kylie welcome to God is real God is good a podcast where we collect stories about God working in people's lives through big miraculous ways all the way down to small everyday things Hello and welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. Um, This is our Christmas episode this week, so it's a little bit special. We have with us um, Joella and Charles. Um, Charles has been on the episode in the past, and his episode was called... God of All Comfort. Charles' episode is called God of All Comfort. Um, anyways, Joella was he- Joella is here too, and we are we have a time scheduled I think soon for her episode to be recorded, so she will be on in the future. Um, so you have to listen for that. Um, so yeah, we're just here to talk about the story of Jesus as a baby and getting born and all that fun stuff and getting born. <laughs> all right, <laughs> something like that. All right, so Camus is gonna start us out with a prayer. Alrighty. Um, Dear Father in Heaven, thank you for this beautiful day today and for Charles, Kylie, and Joella and this chance to come together to talk about your birth and the importance of it, especially in the season where we're all thinking about those things. So just be with us, give us words to speak, and be with our listeners that they can also get something out of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Charles. Okay. So I was asked to read uh, Luke 1 verses 26 through... 33. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will have no end. Yeah, so that's kind of where we decided to start. And and part of that was because this is kind of where the whole story kind of starts and has been. You know, Gabriel shows up on the scene and he tells Mary, like, hey, like, you're going to be pregnant and you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus, which is like God is with us or something like that because it's like Yeshua or something in the original Hebrew. And he's just kind of telling her about this in the event and telling her about the specialness of Jesus and the great glory that he has and I know we often talk a lot about like why did the Jews misunderstand that they misunderstood Jesus's mission and I think here when the angel is talking to Mary that's kind of obvious why they misunderstood it because he talks about the greatness and the glory and the power of God and you know Jesus is going to rule on a throne and he's going to be there forever ruling and I guess you know, you can really see why they had this misunderstanding about his birth kind of from the get-go. Yeah, I think so. I think like, yeah, this is something like, because I was just like reading, I don't know if it was the Bible or I was reading something else, but it's like, this is something they've been like looking forward to since like Adam and Eve. And they're like waiting for this and waiting for this. And just like, now that it happens, it's like, oh, 
Yeah. But also, like, from, like, these verses, like, what really stood out to me, Charles's version said um, in 28 something about you are favored among women, women, and mine says favored woman, um, which is, like, I don't know, like I was saying, you know, they've been waiting for this since Adam and Eve, and, like, Eve even thought, like, oh, my baby might be the savior, um, and, like, here it is, it's, like, finally happened to, like, be there sitting in Mary's spot and just be, like, oh, my goodness, like, this is, this is me, this is happening, like, I don't know, like, I don't even know how you would react to something, like, I'm gonna have a baby, and it's gonna be the savior, <laughs> like, I've never had a baby, for one, so I don't know how I'd react to that either, but to like reacting to like having a baby that's like the savior, like I think what would be running through my mind is like, I'm gonna mess this up. <laughs> like, um, I think maybe we should choose somebody else now, God. <laughs> so, yeah. I thought kind of interesting along that same line is she kept saying, like she pondered it in her heart. And like so many times when different things happened and people confirmed that, you know, this is, the savior or whatever she just pondered it in her heart and I wonder like really what was going through her head as she like she didn't really talk to anyone about it that I know of but it says it was just like she kept thinking about it in her heart like what does really this mean mm. you know what does it really imply mm. I think it was still like a question I don't know it struck me interesting when I was reading it this last time I was like wow I never thought of the, her really like contemplating that a whole lot mm. yeah like yeah because it's like I always at Christmas time they always play the song like Mary did you know and like they always talk about like you know did you know that your son would do these great things and like you know as she was seeing people confirm like this is the son of God and stuff and then as he grew older like those confirmations like like you're saying she was pondering in her heart what does this mean that my son is the savior what is this going to look like yeah and in some respects I think she did know a little bit about what was going to happen because she did know that he was the savior but like you're saying there's a lot she didn't know like she was a virgin she'd never had a child before like you know not only is this her first child but the savior and like you know like I was saying they had that skewed view of what does that savior really look like and really mean and you know the majority of the nation got it wrong but there was a few that got it right and they talked to Mary and that's why like she pondered it in her heart almost in a sense it wasn't she didn't know what to do with it because, you know, what do you do when you are in that position? It's, you know, just kind of hard to think of. And she's also having to go through with and start forward a lot of faith in this. You know, she's, you know, a teenager. She's unmarried. Here she is being told she's about to be pregnant. Um, she's engaged. So um, that's probably not going to go very well. <laughs> and initially it didn't until God intervened with that as well. But God's calling them to do things that don't make sense, that aren't comfortable, and might cost them a lot. But they still believed and were obedient to God, even though it was going to get very difficult. Not me, you know, they didn't know exactly what was going to happen, but they didn't also really have to in the first place. Mm. Yeah, and with Joseph, like, God sent him an angel in his dream, and he's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, Mary didn't cheat on you or do anything. Like, this is God. And yet he still doesn't marry her until after she has the baby. And so then, like, putting Jesus' birth is, like, kind of, like, illegitimate. And you know, there's not a nice word for that. And so um, 
I mean, he could have married her then, and he could have, you know, you know, helped soothe that kind of, so that Jesus didn't have to be considered illegitimate with questions of his birth. But he didn't, and I always kind of wonder why he did that. That's a good question. I don't know, like, I mean, we don't know if, like, the angel, like, told him, like, maybe wait till afterwards, but, or maybe he didn't. Like, maybe it just, like you're saying, was a choice, because, like, but, like, definitely then, like, after the birth, it definitely was, like, because, you know, the very same night, like, that's when, like, the shepherds came, and, like, the angels came, not to Mary and Joseph, but to the shepherds, and the shepherds came to Mary and Joseph, and, like, yeah, they definitely saw, like, oh, wow, Joseph then saw for sure this is, like, a special child. I had always thought that, I might be wrong, <laughs> but I always thought that he went ahead and married her, but he just didn't know her. Oh. sexually mm. until after Jesus was born. Yeah, that could make sense. Cause Matt- there was something I was reading just recently that gave me the idea, and I don't know if it was in Desire of Ages or if it was here in Matthew that I was reading, and he said, Fear not, go ahead and take Mary, basic, I think it must have been Matthew, to be your wife. Yeah, but then it says he didn't know her until after Jesus was born. So... One of the verses of that is Matthew 1, verses 24 through 25, when Joseph, being aroused from sleep, where the angel told him about, you know, everything, uh, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him, or took to him his wife, and did not know her until she, until she had brought forth her firstborn son. So he married her, like, then? Mm-hmm. The angel already refers to Mary as Joseph's wife, even though in that dream where he tells, you know, you take Mary as you... He already refers to Mary as his wife, even in the vision, telling him to marry her. Mm. And then Luke says that they were unwed in the account when they were headed to Bethlehem. Huh. Interesting. Mm. Now we're going to pause to find that verse. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. at the beginning of chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Do you want to read that real quick? Yeah. Joseph went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house in the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, Mine who says was Beyonce. With, with child. So Luke says mm-hmm. they weren't married yet. So minor details, I don't know. Again. Yeah, no, it's just interesting. Like, then, like, at what point, like, what point did they get married, you know? Maybe when they were in Egypt. Oh, no. Before they went to Egypt. Probably. I mean, they took the sacrifice. They were there in in Bethlehem for like two years, right? Mm-hmm. A year and a half. Two years to a year and a half. Hmm. And then, like, yeah, were they married by the time? I mean, like, eight days later, they were to take him to the temple to be circumcised. And give him his name, so. Were they married then? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever he did, he probably just did it quietly, like just going to the court, you know, just doing it legally and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Okay, but anyway, so yeah, back to the point that Camus was, like, making, like, yeah, Joseph, you know, he took some time to think about that, but then they definitely, like, at the birth of Jesus, God definitely, like, made it clear to, like, Joseph again that, like, yes, this is my son, and, like, this is my plan. Yeah. And just side thought, not about this but I just like I've seen God like do that in my life I've definitely seen stuff where he's like Kylie this is the plan I have for you and I'm like okay cool and then you know at this at the start of this plan I'm like this is it this is what God said but then a year down the road I'm like okay 
how serious were we about that plan? And then God will show me things again. Like, not always in the the moment that I'm asking. Sometimes it's, like, in the before moments. I've looked back and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, this, this, and that happened to be like, yeah, this really is God's plan. Or it's, it's in the weeks that follow. I'm like, no, this really is God's plan. And I think we see that here with Mary and Joseph. Like you were saying, she sees things. And Joseph, he's seeing things, too. This is, I did do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And Mary didn't go and have a baby with somebody else. <laughs> Um, kind of on that same thought is the census, right? So um, they have to go and they have to go to Bethlehem for a census that Rome has ordered them. So Rome's in, there's like this occupation, everyone's unhappy, blah, 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 and people are wanting Messiah to come. And I guess it'd be really easy to sit down and think that, well, maybe God's abandoned us. But still... There's God's plan that's still unfolding in that because maybe without the census, why would they have to go to Bethlehem and therefore Jesus be born there and that prophecy fulfilled? So even in this really weird time in history that they're all having to go through, it's still evident and still clear that God is working. Yeah. And like, go ahead, sorry. (laughs) Yeah. And so like with that prophecy is... There were two Bethlehems in all of Israel. And so in the prophecy foretelling it, I think it's like Micah chapter 5 verse 2, it mentions Bethlehem Ephraim, which is the one in Judea out of the house of David. And so not only does God specify, you know, like, oh, it could be one of these two cities. He goes so far to say, which city? And then Jesus is born exactly in that city. And it's just like, wow, like God showing up, showing providing and being very specific in what he promises and fulfilling it. Yeah, and then also like in the way that he fulfilled that prophecy, that's something that I feel like, I feel like you and I have been talking about recently about like how like sometimes God does use like ungodly people, like people that don't necessarily know him to like fulfill his promises. Like I think you were mentioning there was like a time in the Old Testament like where that happens too. It's like, you know, God is able to like, maybe not, but God is able to use like other people not just his own people, to, like, help fulfill his prophecies. Yeah, like, um, there's a song in Deuteronomy that Moses teaches the people, and it's essentially that, you know, God loves you, and he's there for you, but if you don't listen, there's going to be this nation that comes and destroys you, and when you read it, it sounds just like Babylon, and it's just like, wow, God is prophesying, if you don't pay attention, Babylon is going to carry you away captive, and it was, like, so specific, it was like, wow, Lord, like, you knew. And I guess he knew with Jesus' birth as well. You know, and that kind of kind of goes on back, makes me think of even the wise men. You know, they weren't Jewish. They were, quote, heathen, but yet God used them to fulfill prophecy. Mm-hmm. And he used them <clears throat> to um, bring light and confirmation of his birth. Yeah. And I like that, too, because, like, when I was reading, like, the account, I don't remember if it was Lynn Luke or Matthew, but, like, I was reading it, and the same thing, like, about the wise men and stuff is, like, they saw this sign that God put a whole new star in the sky, and these wise men, who aren't Jewish, saw this sign and were like, hmm, like, what is this? And, like, I, I don't know if they, like, kind of knew already that, like, this is a time when the Savior was of Israel was to be born, or the star started them looking, but like God put that sign there for the Israelites and for other people too, but they missed the sign. And it's just like, I just, it makes me wonder like how many signs like we miss that God's like, 
I put this here for you. And I'm just like looking the other way or looking down at the ground and I just can't see the star, you know? Like, yeah. It makes me also wonder how much, um, like, with Jesus' second coming, how many signs are we missing? And as Christians, are we so blind and caught up in our own life, just like the Jews were then, that we don't see all the signs of his second coming? Yeah. And are we just so blind to it that, you know, it takes the heathen to come to us to show us, hey. And sometimes it does. (laughs) (laughs) And yet they were searching more than the Jews were for it. Yeah. The thing that always struck me about, like, the wise men was, like, not only, like, did they notice and know when Jesus was coming, but, like, also they understood his mission better than the Jews. Because, like, in the gifts that they bring, they bring gold and, like, I mean, no doubt gold's going to be helpful. And then they bring, like, frankincense, which is kind of like a perfume and it has some healing properties and it can be very, like, soothing. But then, like, the weird one is, like, myrrh. And, like, they would use myrrh essentially to embalm people. Like, it was used in, like, the anointing of dead bodies and stuff. And so, like, bringing this, like, to a newborn baby is, like, kind of like, um, why'd you bring embalming fluids, like, to my, like, one to two-year-old? Like, seriously? Um, but they knew. They knew he was going to be the savior, and they knew what that meant. That didn't mean coming over and destroying the Roman Empire. It meant coming and dying for their sins, and they understood that better than Jesus' own people. Mm. I think a lot of it is sometimes we have to wait for a really long time for things to happen, and in that waiting, some people can become complacent. Or, well, I've waited this long. It wasn't yesterday or the day before that, so surely it won't be today or tomorrow, right? <laughs> And there's also, you know, you can look at your own situation a little too much and wonder if what you're waiting for involves that. Maybe it is or maybe it isn't. But with the Roman occupation going on, the Jews thought that the Messiah would come and remedy that, that he would be a conquering king and save them from occupation. And some probably lost faith that he would come at all. So there's a lot of misunderstanding about what his mission was going to be and if he was even going to show up. Yeah, that's definitely, like, back to that point at the beginning of, like, Mary and, like, everybody just, like, what is this, what is this really going to look like? And I think that's, like, it's hard with God's plans. Like, even if you do kind of, like, have, feel you have some direction from God, it's like, okay, but, like, what does that look like played out? And sometimes we don't know. Um, change of thought, unless somebody had more on this. I'm just going to read a couple verses. This is um, Luke chapter 2 verse 8 starting in verse 8 i don't know what i'll read but i'll just read it that night oh my version is nlt for those who care okay that night were shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding the flocks of sheep suddenly an angel of the lord appeared among them and the radiance of the lord's glory surrounded them they were terrified but then the angel assured them don't be afraid he said i bring you good news that will bring great joy to the people the savior yes the messiah the lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. So I just like wanted to bring this up because like this is something like really like stood out to me this time reading it. And then I also like read Desire of Ages and it was like in there too. But like my first thought like when reading this is like later in the New Testament, 
Um, it's like one of Jesus's last times in during Jerusalem and the people have the palm branches and they're singing praises. They're saying like, Hosanna, son of God. Um, and the Pharisees tell Jesus like, well, quiet them. And he's like, if I quiet them, even the rocks will cry out and praise me. And I kind of feel like that's something that's very similar happening here at his birth is that like all the people around missed the signs. They got complacent and stuff and they're just, they missed the sign. They missed the star. They missed all of these things. And so it wasn't the rocks, but God sent angels. Even the angels like cried out and sang praise to God because the Israelites who were supposed to didn't rejoice over his birth. It's kind of like what I was seeing. It kind of makes me think of that parable where there's that wedding and yeah. the people that are invited to show up just did they didn't care. So they had to send out more people to invite whoever, you know. And for these, I don't know if it's relatable, but... You know, yeah. there are these shepherds. They are... The second invite. They are the second invite. You know, they're just these uneducated shepherds, kind of a really low class in society, and they're the ones that are chosen to welcome the king of all creation. Yeah. The, the person that the Jews have been waiting for since Adam and their shepherds. <laughs> <laughs> not the priests, not the royalty these guys yeah i really like that thought that he didn't like just come to like just bring it to just the priest or you know just the high up people but that he came to like the lowest so to say Mm -hmm. you know just the shepherds that they were just like a commoner Mm -hmm. and he came to them and sent the angels to tell them and I can't but help but think, like, as they were watching the sheep out there, if they weren't out there, like, talking about, you know, about the prophecies and, hey, when do you think the Messiah will come? And I can't help but think that, you know, they were already, like, talking about it themselves. Yeah. And they didn't fall looking asleep. forward to it. <laughs> right. They didn't fall asleep. Exactly. And I just think that that's special that, you know, God sees people in like their simplicity and their simpleness and we don't have to be somebody great for God to come to us and speak to us but he's willing just to come to whoever's searching yeah as common and simple as we are I was just gonna short comment he didn't like go and tell the kings he told the shepherds well like kind of like going back to when the angel first like initially talked to Mary like when he was talking about like you know, God coming in flesh, like God in all his glory and all his majesty, that like all the wealth and all the greatness of this earth is nothing in comparison to what heaven is, you know, streets paved with gold. Like, even if he came to like a wealthy family or a family of the king, he would still be humbling himself. Hmm. But he didn't just seek to just humble himself to being a king here on earth. He came to a lowly family, to marry, you know, an unborn mother. And then who you know, doesn't get married until after he's born and then they have to flee and they become refugees and like he goes to the lowest of the low. Like he goes about as far down as you can. Like he's not even born in his own home. He's born in a stable of some kind stranger, laid in a feeding trough and wrapped in some swaddling cloth, which easily could have been for animals and not the intent for him. That reminds me of a quote that I really like. So you mentioned, you know, no matter what he does or who he goes to, he's still going to be humbling himself. 
but he went to like the, the most humble thing possible and coming from a place of glory the the quote is Jesus did not consider heaven a place to be desired while we were yet lost. Mm. And, you know, this is just sort of like the start of him coming and trying to reconcile, you know, himself. Yeah. And then, like, um, so I had a different thought. But first, like, to your thought, like, about, you know, there's the, I don't know if it's a parable or if it's just something that Jesus says, but like he talks about, you know, taking the lowest seat at the table rather than the highest so that you can be given the highest seat. And like, that's definitely like what we see him doing here on earth um, is taking that lowest seat. But then like also kind of like back to like what Joella was saying about how he like went to like the shepherds and stuff and he doesn't just choose the best people, the richest, the righteous, whatever. He chooses the lowly, but like also here, I didn't read it, but in back to chapter two in verse 12, the angel tells them, and he says, and you will recognize him by the sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth in line in a manger. And, like, he tells them, too, that, like, this baby is your savior. He's not born in a palace. He's not born in this great big place. He's born in a place that you can approach him. He's born that you and I, these lowly people, we can approach him in a manger. He's not in a palace. And I guess, like, that's the whole point of Christianity is, like, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't, none of that matters because at the foot of the cross, we're all the same, even the wealth, because we all bow down in the glory of Christ. But he humbled himself, you know, like, to such a point, to such an extreme that everyone could feel welcome to him, that everyone could relate to him and find something in him, you know, like, growing up in Bethlehem, then in... Nazareth, which was a really small, like apparently kind of seedy town because nothing good could come out of it, and a refugee in Egypt, and like his whole life, like his life was sought. Like when he was two years old, a king killed all of the babies, or like two and under, in like Bethlehem and the surrounding areas, like just to seek out to kill him. Like he can relate to us on so many levels, even you know, people seeking our death. It's also sort of the time frame in which he, you know, all these plans started, you know, it was a really horrible time. Um, Herod is in charge. He's not even technically a Jew. He's more probably an Edomite who's been put in this position by the Romans. Um, the Jews have seen it a, a total cultural decline and decay. Their religious positions and their priesthoods are being bought and sold. A lot of bad stuff's going on. Um, they've just had the Maccabean Revolution a few, about a century before. Everything's just haywire. And it was still somehow perfectly timed. I always thought that was really interesting. I mean, the light shines the brightest in the darkest place. You <laughs> notice it and you appreciate it more when you have nothing else. And then, like, also, like, I was reading in The Desire of Ages, and it says, you know, like... His birth, it wasn't delayed, nor was it hastened. He came at the time when God said he would come, was to come. Yeah, and just a thought on that. Um, Desire of Ages is a commentary on the life of Christ, and that's why we are mentioning it or quoting it just for those that don't know. Yeah. Anybody have a next thought? I like Simeon. So Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 35. 
So there's this dude, and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child of Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. So there's you know there's always a remnant there's always a people that are still going to be faithful and they're going to wait and here's an example of this guy and he was patient he had this promise and he held to it and in that he could see before he died that it started mm. you know everything's underway and salvation and freedom from sins is coming i'm like what a great like peaceful like way to like die because like he doesn't have to like watch the like like christ and see like that jesus gets rejected and stuff but he gets to die with the peace of like knowing lord you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um because he gets to see that like this like you're saying like this has started and like that's peaceful to know like god is in still in charge and he's at work and then also like my other thought with this though is like also like Simeon's doing this in the temple. And this is another chance for the Jewish people, especially the high priests, especially those who are to be the leaders of the nation. This is another chance for them to see the Son of God has been born. And still, they don't seem to take any notice of this. Mm -hmm. And like one of their officials, and then there's also Anna who is there, who's a prophetess and who's been in the temple forever. And she's also proclaiming this. But um, even though like Simeon like, didn't have to, like, see Jesus' rejection. He knew it was coming because in 34 and 35, in chapter 2, it says, And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. So, like, he doesn't have to see Jesus' rejection and he doesn't get have to see his death, which is kind of a blessing in a way, but at the same time, he knows it's going to happen, because he warns Mary. He's like, he is going to say, but, like, his life is going to be turmoilous. Like, it's going to cause this rise and fall in Israel. Like, he gets, no one gets it, but he gets what it is. Like, a sword is going to pierce your heart, Mary. Something bad is going to happen to this child, and it's going to break your heart, but this is God's plan. Back to Mary, did you know? Uh, you know, <clears throat> with the wise men and with Simeon and the um, shepherds and Anna, it makes me think of, you know, all of them, they were seeking for light. Mm. And so God showed it to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that just for us today, like as we're seeking light, God will show it to us just like he did of old. And that was just one thing that like really struck me as I was reading about the wise men and shepherds and Simeon and Anna. I was like, you know, all of them were seeking. Mm -hmm. The rest had just become so complacent with life. And, you know, they've been looking for Christ coming for so long that they just kind of became complacent. And yet those that were still searching for light, God showed it to them. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's kind of special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 
a story that I really like is about the Ethiopian eunuch. I know they're like, it seems unrelated. Bear with me. <laughs> um, he was reading from Isaiah, um, and that's when God sent somebody to him to talk to him about that. The scriptures all had everything laid out. So, especially the, the really educated, the priesthood should have been able to know and to see and to recognize the signs and things that were being done in their very day. But they either rejected it or they actively stood against that. Yeah. It's kind of like when the wise men, they come to Jerusalem and they're like, where's the new king? You know, we're so excited. You know, kings should be in their capital, which is Jerusalem. The new king's born. Where is he? And Herod's like, what new king? Like... And then he goes to the religious leaders and he's like, what are they talking about? And they're like, well, they could be talking about the Messiah. And if they are talking about the Messiah, this is where he's going to be born. Like, they knew. They knew the exact city. That's like They were the ones that pointed the wise men to that city. But yet, they were so sure in their own knowledge that it didn't happen. That they didn't care to go look themselves. And then Herod is like, well, you know, when you find the king, come back and tell me so I can worship him. But the reality is he's so power hungry and so, I mean, he has no concern for religion that he goes and he murders all of those little babies. And like, even in that, God prophesied of it in talking about Rachel, you know, weeping for her children and lamenting. And then, and so, yeah, just prophet prophesying that this was even going to happen, that even though this was a sad, tragic thing, God knew it was going to happen. And so many people were convinced that, you know, it said like the shepherds, they went and they told everyone that they could find. You know, they have people in the, um, like Simeon the Magi and Anna, they're all saying kind of the same thing. And I don't know, whenever I read later on, it didn't seem like, it didn't really seem like anyone was expecting Jesus to show up. They didn't expect his ministry to start, even though all these things had happened just 30 years prior. John the Baptist was ready, though. <laughs> but, true. like, that's back to, like, the few that were ready, the few, like Joella said, that are seeking light and that were, like, there and ready. Because, yeah, there seems there always will be some <laughs> that are following God. Sorry. But, yeah, there's always some few that are still, like, walking in God's path, so... Yeah, even John the Baptist in his mother's womb, he leapt at the sound of Mary's voice, knowing that the Messiah would come. Like, the Holy Spirit so completely poured out in him that even as, like, a little unborn baby, he knew. It's crazy. And with the 30 years, um, even though the Messiah was born, the King of Kings had come, and everything was... All these prophecies were fulfilled... They had to wait longer. Still, the time had not come, and Jesus had to grow up. He had to learn and, you know, learn a trade, go through purity, and all those Lovely. really exciting <laughs> things, yeah. Um, things you don't think about, but I do. Okay. <laughs> um, <Joyce. laughs> but there's a lot of waiting. Um, there's a lot of faith. And there's a lot of seeing who's going to endure to the end. It really sounds like to me that God really wants us to learn patience in waiting, which is something that we all 
know that I dislike someone. <laughs> but but it's good to hear you say that, like, though, because that's probably what I need to hear. But, like, yeah, God, there's a lot of waiting. And, like, God has us at a lot of points in life where we're just waiting. Um, but now that I started talking, that makes me think, though, like, about how somebody said, you know, like, even in the waiting, we're supposed to find ways to serve God. Like, while we're waiting for Jesus to come, while we're waiting for the Messiah to grow up, while we're waiting for him to go through puberty, apparently, (laughs) you know, we're still to, like, serve God in some way. Continue that relationship. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Joella's thought of, like, even while they're waiting, they're still supposed to be seeking God and seeking a relationship with him and, you know, never stop looking, never stop having that intentionality in their faith and to keep looking and when you see a new star you see something strange and you know to search it out and know you know has the messiah really come and you know jesus he's god he could have come as like a 30 year old man and started his ministry (laughs) right off the bat like he didn't have to have that period and that time of waiting but well i mean like in part he wanted to experience the full human life and all of temptation and to really be able to relate with us but also like showing that like god had to wait in those moments too like jesus himself had to wait like there's that story of like at the temple of jerusalem at 12 he understood you know that he was going to be that lamb that he was going to have to die yet he also had to wait before he started his ministry so like you know we have to wait but god has to wait as well and mary obviously had to wait nine months to have jesus (laughs) (laughs) She had to wait for a lot of other things, too. <laughs> but I also think of, like, you know, it goes a little bit beyond his birth, like you were saying, to when he was young. And I think just not just waiting for, like, for him to grow up, but I think, like you were saying, patience was developed throughout his childhood, having to be kind and be patient to all the neighborhood kids that were mean to him that you know and endure all of those things patiently anyways just thought of it when you were saying patience Mm -hmm. that it wasn't just you know an amazing easy for him just because he was god i think it still was really challenging for him and hard just like it is for us yeah yeah but like yeah like you're saying joel like even though like yeah, sometimes we think that, you know, like, Jesus was without temptation, but, like, we can see in Matthew, you know, you know, like, that he was tempted, and so, like, you're saying, like, that childhood, he was, like, developing characters, developing patience, and, like, the other fruits of the Spirit, gentleness, kindness, goodness, joy, and, like, yeah, but patience, really, guys, apparently that's what we're learning about. Have you guys ever wondered why Jesus came to just a virgin? Um, so it's actually a prophecy in Isaiah, and I can't remember what chapter and verse, but it talks about how the Messiah is going to come through a virgin. And when Isaiah was originally writing it, a virgin was simply just like a young woman. But then over time, words changed their meaning. And then by the time of Jesus's day, a virgin meant like a woman who had never known a man, like in the sense that we know the word virgin. And so like, you know, she was a young woman, just like Isaiah prophesied. But because the word changed, God made it even more so that she had never known a man, fulfilling even the changed meaning of the word, or maybe he knew the meaning was going to change. Yeah, and I think it, like, also takes away, like, all the doubt. Like, you cannot doubt that it's the Son of God when, like, 
no, I can't be anybody else's son. Like, yeah. I mean, there's still doubt because you could be like, well, she's. But it does, yeah. Is isn't there another another prophecy saying there was a virgin? Like, there's this, there was a king, there was two a king, and I'm trying to remember. Um, he was being obstinate, and God said, "Okay, how about this? You tell me what you want. You know, you you tell me what sign you want." And he's like, "Oh, well, how can I tempt the Lord?" Blah blah blah. And he was all being he was being facetious with God. He's like, "Well, okay, I'll tell you." And, and he was talking about how there would be a, a virgin birth. Is that the same? Is that what I'm thinking of in Isaiah? Are oh, you thinking of like Hezekiah and his sickness, probably? Mm. And that might be where the prophecy comes from. Okay. Because mm, Hezekiah was. Isaiah was a prophet during Hezekiah's time, and Hezekiah walked mm-hmm. with the Lord, but then he had this time of getting sick and falling away, and it was just like this whole mess, and I think he eventually ended up losing his faith, and then he had Manasseh, which Manasseh was the worst king ever in all of Israel, and they never fully went back to God, basically, after his reign, because it was just so pagan and awful. So the verse from Isaiah is... Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Mm. I think that is the prophecy. And I think that thing is like, there was always going to be questions of Jesus' birth. And, you know, God made it as clear as he possibly could. But there was always that illegitimacy hanging over his head. There was always that people questioning. And I think that's how it is with God, you know, like... He can make it evidently clear. He can fulfill prophecy in your sight. But you are always free to disbelieve and say, well, maybe she was a, you know, and slept around or did something she was supposed to. I mean, you can always taint it. I mean, you can spit in God's face. Like, God always leaves that option open to us. But he made it as clear and obvious as he possibly could. And, you know, also Jesus really came down in that moment to have that illegitimate birth and to like be in the place of somebody else who's had a questions over their birth and has been rejected because you know their parents might not have been married when they were conceived yeah no i think also along that same line of doubt that in our lives god doesn't always remove all possibility for doubt and I think that's a way for us to develop faith and so sure just like with Jesus's birth we can doubt it but at the same time um, we can have faith and believe it as well Hmm. and in our own lives today you know there's always things that we can question God about but or we can you know choose to step out in faith and I don't believe that God removes all doubt from us just to, you know, make the path totally clear. That he wants us to step out in faith and believe on some things. Mm-hmm. It's a, lean not on your own understanding. Life is weird and it's complicated and whatnot. And sometimes you're left with a choice. Lots of choices sometimes. And it's, you know, do I want to... Do I want to trust God and what he says? Or do I want to trust my intuitions or my buddy over there who's about to jump off a cliff? Who are you going to trust? Who is more reliable to you? Yeah, I think God always leaves that open to us. And 
We just kind of wanted to end with one last verse in Luke chapter 2 and verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom, statue, and in favor with God and man. So that's kind of our essentially saying he grew up, he lived with this, and he became our Messiah. I mean, he was, but like, I mean, he, he fulfilled it. Yeah, he grew into it. and He lived like a normal life. He was a person. You know, he did... Most, mostly normal people things, except sin. <laughs> you know, but everything else, that was like, that was, he was a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's really cool. But in being that he didn't sin, he still was tempted. Like, mm-hmm. he still struggled with the temptation to sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, so easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> still fully God and still fully man. Mm-hmm. With a very human birth and issues and problems throughout his life and temptations but he had a connection with God and he walked with God and he had power and glory so but yeah those things like made it so that he can relate to us and that he can understand us and made him more fully like our savior because he understands us but yeah I think that that's kind of where we want to end so thank you everybody for listening yeah and well, tune in next week alright bye bye If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to follow, share, like, and review. Also, you can contact us at our Facebook page, that is God is Real, God is Good Podcast, or you can email us at God is Real, God is Good Podcast at gmail.com. Bye!